Hey guys, welcome to the view from the front. My name is Stan and this is the November 30th edition. Hope everyone is doing amazing out there from wherever you're joining us. We have got a lot to cover in tonight's episode. We're going to cover several things, including a couple things involving U.S. troops. Um, American troops were involved in some action at sea. I definitely want to cover that. I also want to highlight some service that American troops have done in the past and are doing in the past few days that you probably didn't hear about on the news. Also, we're going to cover Ukraine. The uh, Russians are suffering some horrendous casualties right now that I want to get into just a bit. I also want to give you a quick update on funding from the United States. Also, we want to talk a bit about uh, long-range ATAC on missiles. Those have not been used in 40 days. And I think a fair question is, what does this mean and what is that saying? Also, we're going to get into some China news. There was a first that happened in the south part of China, and I want to cover that. Then we're going to get into a couple of pieces of tech news involving drones. Obviously, drones are revolutionizing warfare across various battlefields, but a couple of really cool tech news stories involving drones came out in the past few weeks that I wanted to get into. And then, as always, we will end the episode with plenty of motivation and wisdom as I do every episode. If you're new to the show, just a bit about myself. I'm a prior infantry Marine. I spent more than 10 years in the news business, and I've also written 12 books, most of them about the military or foreign policy. So you can just call me a wannabe Tom Clancy. Just a lot nicer, I hope. But uh, so I, I say that jokingly. He was a bit of a curmudgeon. But I love doing research, I love doing news, covering news. I love talking about this stuff every Thursday. If this, if this is the first time you've managed to catch an episode, every week I try to do three things. I cover hotspots happening around the world because, as we know, Americans are terrible at geography. And the news media in America is horrendous at covering any kind of foreign policy. Unfortunately, we typically get involved in wars before we know what we're doing or why we're doing it. So... As a prior Marine who's dodged a few bullets, that matters to me. I also try to unite our country because, as we know, a house divided cannot stand. And let's be real here, our great division is our greatest threat, unfortunately. So I try to my best each show to not put down Republicans or Democrats. I try not to do any name-calling. I try to be as calm and optimistic as possible because we all get too much negative news And with folks saying the world is ending or the country's ripping apart, you guys get enough of that everywhere else. And I want to be a voice of reason. And then finally, at the end of every episode, I try to share a few words of encouragement at the end. I I, I mean, let's be real. Most everything you've seen or read this week up to this point has probably been negative because that's what sells. That's what gets news clicks. That's what gets shared. And I'm betting you could probably use some positivity and encouragement in your life. So that's what I do every week. And I think these are three things that people are really interested in. So if this is your first time joining us, welcome. I think you'll really enjoy the show. And just as importantly, I think you could probably use the show in your life. Honestly, I wish I had had such a positive influence in my life 20 years ago, because as we all know so well, we truly are in Flint influenced by what we take in on a daily and weekly basis. So let's listen, listen, take some good stuff here. Okay, so before we get into all of the news that I mentioned, there's a couple of things I need to cover. And one of them is a complaint from a fan. So let me read that and then address it because uh, I think it's important to keep you guys up to date on things. And if one person had this question or concern, I'm sure more than one has. So Let's just get into it. So I will not name the person, but uh, I will read their email and then address it to you guys. They say, uh, Hi Stan, I am a fan now for a long time. I receive your email having read some of your books. So this is good. Uh, Now that you are podcasting, you are no longer giving any tight overviews of your topics. I miss those, and I'm not prepared to listen for the required amount of time to listen to the podcast. 
uh, we may be saying goodbye, the person says. So I get that email, and I was obviously sad to see it. I looked up the email address just to see, uh, have they been getting it? You know, sometimes you'll have um, some Yahoo on the internet who came across you, watched two minutes of one episode, knows nothing about you, hasn't been reading emails, and they just decide to fire off something. And I usually don't take those very serious. But I actually looked this email address up, and uh, the gentleman has been getting it for a good year or so and has been reading a lot of... It's kind of crazy, the stats that you can see through Substack. But seems like a totally legit email, so I did want to address it. So I uh, obviously thank them for the uh, feedback. And so here's the honest truth. So I know that a lot of people appreciated the detail of... The newsletter, it's nice and compact. It's got all of the links in it. There are definitely advantages to that. And I also know that moving to video and podcasting is a bit of a different audience. That's just the reality. Um, And so I've seen in the stats that some of the folks who used to get the emails have, you know, gone away. I've also gained new ones as I've kind of shifted the audience. So just let me share a little bit personally real quick about it and then I'll explain a little bit more big picture so the reality is is that newsletters aren't hard for me that's I went to journalism school I actually do three different newsletters there's no real challenge in them uh, and I enjoy doing them but they are they are something that the reality is that has a limited audience Americans love video look at TikTok look at Instagram videos etc Uh, A lot more people watch videos than read. And so I'm trying to get a message out to a wider audience than just the specialized people that want to just read about foreign policy or defense news. I really do care about trying to unite the country. I do care about motivating people. And I really do care about veterans and PTSD. And so I believe that this has a, a wider net, a larger chance of reaching the people that I want to reach. So... That's part of why I'm doing it. This isn't easy, by the way. (laughs) That's why I didn't really want to do it. Uh, I've said this in my podcast a year or so ago, but when I was in elementary school, I had a speech impediment. I took a lot of speech classes. There are still words I can't say well. You notice that if you're a long-time listener. So even when I started podcasting a year ago, I can't say I really wanted to. I loved listening to podcasts, and I knew it was a much wider audience but I wasn't very good at it. I didn't, you know, enunciate or pronounce my words very good. And I would get so nervous. There were times I would sit in front of the speaker for 10 or 20 minutes where I would start recording and then I'd end up having to delete it. And then same thing, move into video. This is so much harder. You see yourself in the camera. You see your facial expressions. You don't like the way you look. You worry about so many things. And so all of that stuff has been more scary. It has been more intimidating but it's where I feel led to go. You know, I, I do feel like I hear things from God. And so it's almost like I feel like God has been pushing me in this direction to reach more people. And especially if I can reach someone, a veteran who has PTSD, then this isn't about the money. This isn't about any of that stuff. It's about a, you know, a much more important thing than potentially losing some email subscribers. So that's kind of the personal side of it, just kind of a business side of it. Uh, this has, uh, let me just explain something Warren Buffett once wrote in a book. I read this probably five or ten years ago. I obviously used to own a newspaper, uh, used to used to and still do read tons of business books. But Warren Buffett said that you want to be in a business that has as wide and and, and challenging of a moat around it as possible. A moat like, you know, castles have, you dig it out and you flood it. So you want a big moat around whatever business it is that you create. Well, the reality is, is that creating a newsletter is fairly easy to do. It's a growing market. Taking something from a newsletter to a podcast is much more challenging. And then taking that from podcasting to video is even more challenging. And so partly what I'm doing as well is I'm building a better and bigger moat around the business that I am trying to build. So there you go. That's kind of the business reason. I've told you the personal reason I do want to reach people. If I can manage to do all that and actually build a business, that would be pretty amazing. But it's about more than just that. So that's kind of the answer to that. So if you're one of those people that you love the newsletter, 
not as crazy about video or podcasting. I totally get it. I, in fact, in this episode, I'll try to have more links to things so that there's a little bit more content in the newsletter. But the reality is, is I've come to a fork in the road and I am taking the more challenging path that I feel like I've been led to move towards. So there you go. As I always say, I really appreciate the emails. If you have a question, complaint, disagreement, send me an email. I will actually answer most of them. Okay, so the other thing that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned before we get into the news is my books. It's Christmas time. Great Christmas idea. I always mention this book. It's called Sold Out. It's the first book in a five-book series about a Marine Corps sniper who gets sold out, which is why it's called Sold Out, and gets involved having to hunt down a CIA team that's also trying to kill him and a journalist. And they have to team together. So I'll put this Marine Corps sniper from the South in with a like New York liberal. They are totally opposites, but they have to work together. It's a great book. So again, it's called Sold Out. If you haven't, if you got anyone who might be interested in that, it's a good one. If you got someone who's interested in police series, first book is called Takedown of a series about a Marine Corps force recon guy who gets out after seeing action, becomes a detective. He gets sent to a small town, starts investigating some things, and people start dying. Really, really good. I've also got plenty of war books. Uh, i got a private eye book called Hell in the Mountains. It's about an army ranger. I don't just write about marines. So it's about an army ranger who has to rescue a girl after cops do not believe she's been abducted, abducted and they've given up looking for her. They think she ran off, and maybe she didn't. Again, called Hell in the Mountains. Amazing. And there are several war books I've written. Just a couple I'll mention. Hill 406, it's about Afghanistan. Two Marines disobeying orders to save some lives. I've also got a World War II one called, move it on, Soldier Own, which people say it is pretty good. It is, uh, if you want to know what it's like to be a soldier, it is gritty. And um, yeah, get good. I get great feedback about that one as well. So just a few books, something to think about, a great way to support the show. I appreciate you guys who have already taken me up on that, and I will try to stop talking about them probably next week or so. So thanks for that interruption. So let's get into the news now and just make it happen. Okay, so I wanted to get to the news, and I want to start with highlighting some of the sacrifices that U.S. troops are making. Of course, they make these, you know, 24-7, 365 days a year, and they do a lot of good in the world, and they don't get enough credit for it. And so I want to share that a bit and make sure that more people are aware. I know when I was deployed, my family knew, some of my friends, but most people don't realize how many troops we have deployed across the globe and some of the important missions that they are doing. So the first thing I want to mention is that during this past weekend, there was a commercial vessel, not U.S., it actually was Israeli-owned, that was boarded by Somali pirates. And so anytime something like that happens, the last thing we need in the world is, and you know, the the lack of ability for countries to ship merchandise or oil or etc. And so US the US Navy does a great job of being in many of these places where Somali pirates and other groups like that that can threaten trade are located. And so in this case, the five Somali pirates approach and then board a commercial vessel was called the Central uh, Central Park is the name of the vessel. These five Somali pirates they board it. The crew sends out a distress signal. They lock themselves inside so that they don't get taken hostage and abducted. And there was a task force nearby, Task Force One Fifty One. They dispatched some U.S. and Allied forces toward the area. The USS Mason arrives first, and so they immediately as they approach, demand the release of these five who actually hadn't been taken quite yet, if I understand the news correctly. 
lot still a little hazy about this story, but the five Somali pirates actually flee, leave on a small vessel. The USS Mason gives chase. They apprehend and um, arrest these Somali pirates. Then they send forces to the central park and actually uh, search the entire ship, make sure it's clear, make sure the crew is okay. So that was all well and good. That was an important mission. It's a dangerous, tense kind of thing that happens on pretty on pretty regular basis, and the Navy trains for that mission a lot. Shortly after that happened, a few hours later, a uh, two ballistic missiles were fired by uh, Houthi rebels toward the USS Central Park. And let me show you if you can see on there. Not sure that you can. I'll put it in the source notes, but it's just south of Yemen between the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden. I'll put it in the source notes, like I said, so you can see an image of about where this happened. So two missiles were fired. Um, they landed actually about 10 miles away from the USS Mason and that commercial vessel. So we're not real sure what the Houthi rebels were aiming at. They may have been targeting a U.S. ship. They may have been targeting that commercial vessel. Not real sure on that right now. I'm sure more will come out about that. And there has been a little bit of news that the U.S. government is moving at a little bit faster clip toward calling out these Houthi rebels and labeling them as a terrorist group. So that's not helping their cause when they launch a couple of ballistic missiles. And of course, as we all know, Saudi Arabia has been fighting against the Houthi rebels for years now. It's been pretty much a stalemate. But the Saudis were not able to win in their battle against the Houthi rebels. They're a very, very well-trained guerrilla group, to say the least. Now, the second thing I wanted to mention and highlight while... We were talking about U.S. troops, is that U.S. forces are involved in a non-military mission of sending humanitarian aid as a part of working with the United Nations to Gaza. They recently, on the 28th, yesterday, sent 54,000 pounds of food and supplies and clothing and nutritional assistance is the word they use, which is, I think, food, but at any rate, the public relations people. <laughs> Can't use a short word, I guess. But a uh, Air Force C-17 Global uh, Globemaster, which is actually our largest aircraft, arrived in Egypt, dropped off all of this food, and it was going to go by ground transport into Gaza and be distributed by UN aid agencies. And so, to date, the U.S. has uh, sent 500,000 pounds of food to Gaza through the United Nations and some U.S. aid um, contracted aircraft. So that was a big deal. That's one of those things where the U.S. does missions that a lot of people don't even know about. I don't know that I had seen much in the media anywhere about the fact that we sent that food there, but the reality is, is even those missions are dangerous. Anytime you have aircraft fully loaded, probably to capacity, flying into another country on runways that probably aren't as good as the ones we have in the U.S. There is some risk. And of course, anytime you're moving U.S. troops toward areas where conflict's happening, there's also risk of some, you know, terrorist group or someone else um, firing like a shoulder launch stinger missile or something like that. So those are the kinds of things that rarely make the news, but we need to remember all that are men and women are doing for us around the globe because it's an important mission and it happens as I said earlier 24-7. Okay so let's move to Ukraine. Let's talk for a second about some of their funding challenges that are happening in the US. Um, first thing before I mention the news on that there was a article that was in the Washington Post literally today, today being Wednesday as I'm recording this. I want to read just one paragraph from that article. It's the most recent tally, and I will put a link to this in the source notes on Substack. Ukraine aids best kept secret. This is the headline. Most of the money stays in the USA. So let me just read this paragraph. Here is the best kept secret about U.S. military aid to Ukraine. 
Most of the money is being spent here in the United States. That's right. Funds that lawmakers approve to arm Ukraine are not going directly to Ukraine, but being used stateside to build new weapons or to replace weapons sent to Kiev from U.S. stockpile. So, uh, stockpiles, apologies. So, of the $68 billion in military and related assistance that Congress has approved since Russia invaded Ukraine, almost 90% is going to Americans' companies, one analysis found. So, just something to keep in mind when you hear people talk about funding Ukraine. And I wanted to share another comment that I saw on Twitter, which was so good. Because obviously it's a difficult fight. It's a challenging fight happening in Ukraine. This one commenter said, As I like to remind people, Ukraine is fighting the war NATO prepared for starting well over a century ago. And they are fighting it with a small fraction of outdated equipment. And they are still winning. It's astounding. So I thought that was a couple of important things to set up this conversation. So let me begin by saying that Senator Chuck Schumer, who is the Senate Majority Leader in the U.S. Senate, he said that uh, he plans to bring the supplemental security package to the floor as soon as December 4th. So that would be next week. Unless anything's changed, but he said this about three days ago. So next week should be coming to the floor. And let me share what the House Speaker, who's a Republican, uh, Mike Johnson, said. Let me actually share the video audio that you can hear it. Here is that audio. And again, this is the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, speaking. Ukraine is, a, is another priority. Of course, we can't allow Vladimir Putin to march through Europe, and we understand the necessity of assisting there. What we've said is that if there is to be additional assistance to Ukraine, which most members of Congress believe is important, we have to also work in changing our own border policy. And so there's been a lot of thoughtful negotiation ongoing uh, with that. I think most of our Senate colleagues recognize that those two things need to move together because we owe that to the American people. That's what they're demanding that we do. So we will see on that. Now, some people say Mike Johnson is bluffing, but there is a very large percentage of Congress, probably 70, 75% that do want to approve that funding. And of course, the Senate does as well, which includes, it's a bipartisan effort, which includes a good number of Republicans. So Hopefully Mike Johnson isn't just playing chicken or some kind of game or something and just saying the right things but holding it up. We will see probably in this next week, and I will definitely keep you guys posted on that. So while we are on the subject of Ukraine, let me talk about something that's pretty big news. And I'm surprised it hasn't made more news, but the media kind of jumped on this bandwagon of it's just a stalemate, not much is happening but actually quite a bit is happening in Ukraine right now as far as the counteroffensive. So of late, the biggest news has been that the Russians have been trying desperately before the winter freeze sets in, which is basically already happening, to retake some territory so that Vladimir Putin can claim some kind of victory as winter sets in. He has a presidential election, I use air quotes on that, next year. And so he just wants to have something that he can brag about. And so he has set his sights on a town called Abdivka. You've probably heard that in the news a little bit. But the, for the past few weeks, he's been trying very hard to take that from multiple directions. And he's been trying so hard, in fact, that the casualty numbers are higher now than they have been at any time during the war. He is literally just shoving armor and infantry toward the Ukrainians, and it's a complete bloodbath. It is so bad, in fact, that the United Kingdom's Defense Intelligence Agency reported that throughout November of this year, Russian casualties are running almost are running 931 per average on the day. So almost a thousand killed per day throughout November as they have tried very hard to take this 
The UK Defense Intelligence Agency reports that previously the deadliest month was March 2023 when the Russians were averaging about 776 losses per day when they were trying to take Bakhmut at the height of their offensive there. So they went from 776 per day, we're up to now 931. Now you might say, "Ah, yeah, but how do we know that's true? Or that's just propaganda or whatever. Let me assure you there is lots of video that confirms much of this, including... And in the Substack notes, if you want to go see this, I put a viewer discretion advised on the next two videos. The first one is about 30 seconds. And the amount of destroyed Russian armor in this video is unbelievable. Troop carriers, tanks, an entire almost like open field of not hundreds of yards but miles of an entire convoy column just obliterated. So you can watch that if you want. Get a get just a bit of an idea of just how much the Russians have lost. And then below that, as they have run out of armor, they Putin is, you know, you can't say no in Russia if you're a Russian general. So Putin has insisted they keep trying. And so below that, I posted a video that's almost two minutes long. And the amount of infantry that Russia has been pushing forward toward Ukraine is just unbelievable. And in these video, and some of them is in thermal, you can see, you can literally see dozens of Russian troops advancing. And one of them, it's almost like there's, you can, based on the thermal imaging, you can almost tell there's like a hundred troops advancing in long columns, just unbelievably large numbers of Russian troops advancing, and it is not going well for them. So I've put two videos there. If you're one of those skeptical types, I know that sometimes in the conservative media, you hear some uh, skewed stuff. Let's just leave it at that. I'll try to stay positive, but if you want to see some video evidence of just how bad it is for the Russians, go take a look at those two videos. Again, viewer discretion is advised. So before we leave Ukraine, I wanted to end on a little bit of a high note or a lighter note because I know some of the stuff can get a little heavy and we all carry this emotional stuff with us, this baggage, these emotional feelings. And so I have two videos in the uh, Substack notes. If you want to go to the episode detail notes, it leads you to the Substack, Substack page. And these are Russian commentators. And I just wanted to share these two clips because it's so insane that this stuff is being said. But of course in Russia, they're not getting the news like we do here. But in the first clip, these Russian commentators, these are their sophisticated people. This is the kind of propaganda that is being pushed out to the masses. So people in Russia, many of them think that they are winning in Ukraine easily. And so these commentators are talking about where Russia should invade next. And in Previous days and weeks, they've talked about Poland. Russia should just go take Poland, which is, of course, a member of NATO. So if they were to try that, it would be a very bad day for them. But ignoring all that, (laughs) these commentators are saying that they're already past Poland at this point. That Russia should, quote, denazify Berlin. So they're going to go into Germany, take Berlin. And in the same conversation, they're talking about taking Spain all the way to the far end of Europe. So that's that's what their thoughts are. And then they start talking about California and Alaska some. I guess that's their next little project. <laughs> so all of that's obviously just ludicrous and insane to levels that it's hard to uh, imagine. But as if all of that isn't funny and humorous enough, I've got another link to a video, to a YouTube link, where these same people are predicting that Russia has this upcoming demographic crisis where it's an older country, it's getting old, it's dying off, it's obviously struggling struggling economically. Russia propagandists on this media network, which is, again, the state channel, these are their state folks, they predict that the demographic crisis will be resolved in the future when streams of America of Americans, people like me and you, flood to Russia. 
And then it gets even better. Even if they have to fix toilets. And then, once we all flood there to fix toilets or whatever, begging Vladimir Putin to allow us to move into their country, Russia will choose only the best and send the rest home. <laughs> I know you can't believe this. I got a link to it. That's what they think is going to happen. So, they're convinced that Ukraine's just a small step. If they want to choose to take all of Europe, they'll do that. They may threaten America, too. And eventually all of us are going to decide in America that this place is a little too easygoing or too wretched or whatever they think. And we're all just going to flood to Russia. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff they're sharing. And that's what Russian viewers are seeing right now. You can't make this stuff up. If you get a couple minutes, it's worth watching uh, and getting your laughs because it's, it's pretty humorous. My apologies, I just noticed in my notes that I skipped one thing that I said I would cover in the intro, which is that it's been 40 days since we launched the last, not we, since Ukraine launched the last ATACMS missiles. And so, obviously that first big strike was against that airfield where a lot of Russian helicopters were destroyed. We covered that, I guess it was three or four weeks ago. Since then, and this what I'm sharing right now is from uh, Phillips O'Brien, who has a great Substack newsletter page, and actually has launched a podcast as well, but great person to follow. He writes about that the fact that they have not been used is very troubling, because it shows that the U.S. did not send very many of those missiles. And in fact, he kind of does a summary of the fact that According to reports, somewhere between only 12 and 20 of those ATACMS long-range missiles were sent to Ukraine. Now, of course, these are the ones that launched from the multiple launch rocket system that we sent, the HIMARS. If you're new to the show, we've covered this a lot in the past, so I don't want to recover everything. But again, maybe only 12 to 20 sent. They haven't been fired in 40 days he talks about how troubling this is and that, it, and to him anyway, it's a sign that the Biden administration never wanted to give Ukraine the missiles in the first place and that they're strictly limiting what they will even give Ukraine. So he's very frustrated about that. I'm pretty frustrated too, but it's, uh, as he called it, counterproductive and unfortunately sending that stuff in a piecemeal fashion, as he calls it, is not the way that you win a war. And so he, he even questions that, does the U.S. administration want Ukraine to win? And the answer that he sees is no. So I'll put a link to that in the Substack notes if you want to go check out his Substack page or his podcast. Uh, again, he puts out some great stuff several times a week. So, But he brings up a good point about how long it has been since... ATACMS missiles have been used, and it is a little troubling. So hopefully they're planning something big, and we don't know about it, but haven't heard much about them lately, so that is a little concerning. Okay, so we still have the China news that I want to share, which is kind of interesting. Two different tech articles I want to talk about with drones, and then the motivation and wisdom section, but I wanted to take just a break to remind you, if you want to support this show, a great way to do so is to sign up on the Substack page, or you can do it from Patreon. You can support the show for $5 per month. It'd be a great way to help grow the show and help support what I'm trying to do. So all those details you can find on the Substack page, and as I always say, you can come and go as you wish. And I don't keep up with when people come or go, because it might be depressing if I did. But let's move to China now. So on China news, as I said earlier, there's a first, so to speak, happening in the China, in the region of China and Asia, and in the sphere of influence that China is trying to control. And that first is that the Philippines and Australia recently kicked off their first joint maritime patrol. That was this past weekend. And they are doing this in the South China Sea, where there is, of course, and has been for the past few years, heightened tensions with China. Uh, I wanted to read a quote from the president of the Philippines. This is from President Ferdinand Marcos Jr., he said, quote, we endeavor to enhance bilateral interoper interoperability 
in maritime security and domain awareness. And so, again, this is the first time that the Philippines have done has done anything with Australia. So they're doing that. It's going to be for about a week, but it's happening in the Philippines' exclusive economic zone, which, by the way, China claims as part of its entire South China Sea area. So this is an area that there's been some tension. There have been, you know, Chinese Coast Guard boats that have tried to push away commercial fishing boats. There's been lots of stressful situations, I guess, is how I would probably um, state it. The uh, defense minister of Australia said that the uh, that the two countries are firmly committed to a peaceful, secure, and prosperous region where sovereignty and agreed rules and norms are respected. Now, as a, just a bit of background, if you haven't been keeping up, not only has China threatened Taiwan, but they are building these man-made islands in the South China Sea to further augment and extend their power. They, of course, have been building up and ramping up the size of their navy, including an aircraft carrier, but they are building up these islands and building airfields on them so that as they kind of strangle hold of an area, as they kind of grow their power slowly but surely, never really doing anything big enough to make any country immediately respond to them. But they've been building up these islands, dredging them, bringing in new rocks, building runways, slowly building up these areas just a little bit at a time. And no one has really totally tried to stop them yet and so they're getting to the point where at some point you know the you know you hate to say it but it seems like at some point the rubber is going to meet the road so as i said last week though that meeting with biden apparently went well and maybe president xi since their economy is struggling is realizing that the world is aligning against china and Economically speaking, if he were to pursue some of these military goals that he seems to have, it is going to absolutely devastate his economy, not to mention do not-so-great things for his military. One other thing, if you're a newer listener, we've talked a lot about how China's military has not been tested since the 60s. Yes, the 60s, back when they actually fought Vietnam some after the U.S. forces had left and the Vietnam War had ended, China was, to put it nicely, was pretty much completely humiliated. And so the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and other military analysts have reminded China that when your forces have not really been tested or operated at a high level, especially in some type of a combat environment, you don't really know what you have. So on paper, China has rapidly expanded its military, but no one really knows how good these forces are. They're certainly modern. China has certainly spent a lot of money, but it, it takes a long time to get good at what military forces do. And the U.S. has been training and operating throughout the world, in the Middle East and other places, for decades and Australia, um, oh, sorry, not Australia, but China has not, they don't have that record of sending forces out, even in advanced training situations. No one really knows how good they are. So there's just some background on that. Um, all of that fascinates me, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this goes in the coming years. All right, so let's cover a couple of tech news stories involving drones. Drones have obviously revolutionized warfare. We've seen them everywhere from Ukraine. We've seen them in the Middle East. Uh, Hamas used them to attack some of those uh, towers that included machine guns that were automated. Those were attacked by drones. Hamas has also used them to attack tanks, Israeli tanks. Obviously in Ukraine, they have been used extensively, especially by the Ukrainians. Um, Some of those quadcopters have dropped mortars and grenades on tanks on infantry it's been very deadly it's very difficult without you uh, really the only way to stop them is electronic warfare but if you're on the ground there's almost no way to stop these drones so 
drone warfare has definitely been advancing. But two tech stories involving drones that I wanted to cover was, and by the way, I'll put links in the Substack notes if you want to read about this a little bit more. The first one is that the Royal Navy of the United Kingdom said that in a first for it anyway, a twin-engine transport drone landed on the craft on the deck of a British aircraft carrier. And so you can see a photo of this. It's pretty big. There's like four guys in the photo. And this drone is much bigger than them. So that's a first. And of course, everyone has known for a long time that increasingly aircraft in the future probably will be unmanned. I know the U.S. Navy is working with some aircraft situations where there would be a piloted one by a human and then there might be a like a plane that flies alongside it that's a drone that could be controlled. Increasingly, situations like that are being um, tested and studied. So, first step though, the drone has landed on a moving aircraft carrier. So, that has happened. And I'm sure if it's happened with the United Kingdom, then the U.S. Navy is probably very close or might have done so itself. The second thing, and this is really unique. This is the way when a new technology emerges, countries very quickly find ways to experiment with them and to make them better. And so this involves, and I put the video in the Substack notes. Obviously with drones, there's a limit on battery life and range. And so the Ukrainians have been messing around and figured out that one new tactic is they use a heavy octocopter, which of course has, so it has eight, um, eight blades, would carry a drone and a signal repeater, fly out to its full extended range, and then launch. It would drop another drone, which would go out even further. And so they've experimented with this. You can see a video of it. And by doing this, they have extended the flight range of the ammunition of this attack drone an additional 20 to 30 kilometers. So how neat is that? That's pretty brilliant, isn't it? That someone thought, well, let's literally take a drone out, let it drop, and then launch. So you can see the video of that. It reminded me of the uh, Doolittle raid in World War II where the U.S. Navy took Army bombers all the way out toward Japan, and these bombers launched, uh, bombed Japan, I believe it was Tokyo, flew over that and flew into China where they had to crash land. It was a very daunting mission, but someone came up with that idea, and so it's kind of similar to that, where a drone takes a drone below it and extends the range and allows it to attack weapons that are much deeper in enemy territory, so pretty cool. Again, you can see the video in the Substack notes. All right, so this is the motivation and wisdom section. I share these each week because I think all of us could use a few words of encouragement. And let's be honest here, you matter. And you are influencing the people around you, all of whom could benefit from a little bit more increased awesomeness, don't you think? So... Your kids, your spouse, your friends, your co-workers, they all need you to be a little bit more infected with motivation, with awesomeness, with spirit, energy, all those things. So let's all give a little more, and I hope some of these help you a tad. So here is the first one. Good things come to those who believe. Better things come to those who are patient and the best things come to those who don't give up. It's a good one, isn't it? Here's the next one. You can choose courage or you can choose comfort. You cannot have both. Again, you can choose courage or you can choose comfort. You cannot have both. That one makes me think about what I said earlier about moving away from a newsletter to doing video, being on a podcast, how much harder that is. All right, here we go. Next one. Magic happens when you don't give up, even though you want to. The universe always falls in love with a stubborn heart. 
Isn't that good? The universe always falls in love with a stubborn heart. Here's the next one. Visualization works if you work hard. Again, visualization works if you work hard. That's the old, like, begin with the end in mind. And you might have heard, like, the benefits of a journey come at its end, not at its middle, not at its start. It's only at the end. So don't get too discouraged as you push. All right, here's, an, here's another one. Don't miss out on something that could be great just because it could also be difficult. It's good, isn't it? Don't miss out on something that could be great just because it could also be difficult. All right, let's do a few here from the Bible. First one is from Psalms chapter 36, verse 9. With you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. And again, it's with you being God. With you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. This next one is from Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. As members of one body, you are all called to live in peace and always be thankful. Again, as members of one body, you are all called to live in peace and always be thankful. This next one's from Psalms, chapter 62, verse 8. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Again, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Let me do one more. This is from Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Again, that one is, be kind to one another, tender, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, I always like to end with the same one, and it's a good one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. That's a good one, right? That is a good goal to have, don't you think? So, hey, thanks for joining us on this episode. I hope you are still proud of this country. I know it's not perfect, but I still am very proud of it, and I hope you are too. As you go through the week, I try to say this every week, but remember it's easy to be divisive, to argue with people about politics. Anyone can do that. So, in fact, most people do that, but I'm challenging you to be a unifier. If someone says something political that offends you, if offends you in any way, just let it go. You're not going to change their mind and just show them some love. Ask them how their family's doing. Ask them if there's anything you can do for them. Um, like I said, just be a unifier. Be like a wet blanket. If their fire is raging hot, just help calm them down. Show them that someone from the other side isn't some horrific person that wants to end their way of life. That's all they hear on TV, on radio, every day. So don't be like that. Uh, Remember that most Americans are good. It's easy to forget that, especially we only hear the loud 10%. So definitely remember that. So I want to say just a bit about my my books again, and then i got to say something about PTSD. Again, don't forget the books. Great Christmas gift. Um, You can find all of them on Amazon. Just search Stan R. Mitchell. It's a great way to support a vet and support the show. But let's talk about something a little more serious. So I have to talk about PTSD a minute. I like to end every show with this now. And so we know veterans are at a 57% higher risk of suicide than their peers of the same age group who haven't served. So if you're having serious issues, please call 988 and select number one. You can also text 838 255 Both of those will let you talk to a veteran's crisis line responder anytime, day or night. And you can also call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room or go to the VA. These are steps you can take, but I also know you probably won't take those because we're veterans and we don't reach out for help. So those are some of the steps you can take. But I want to share a quote from the legendary retired Marine General James Mattis and 
He kind of flips PTSD on his head and he says, you've been told that you're broken, that you're damaged goods, but there is also something called post-traumatic growth. And I'm quoting him here. He says, you come back from war stronger and more sure of who you are. He goes on to talk about, do not think about that those who have served should be pitied. Instead, he says, use your experiences as a positive that teaches you to be a better person. So I always like to end with a little bit about PTSD. And I want to pose just a quick question, which is that you know from military tactics that the best time to hit the enemy is when they're not ready, when they're at their weakest. And that's probably, if you're struggling, what's happening with you. I just want to remind you that it gets easier every single day, but you cannot quit. No matter how easy that that sounds or seems, you can't quit. So I beg of you not to do that. And I don't mean to be mean, but I kind of am now because I don't want you to put your family or friends in that situation where if you do something to harm yourself, they feel guilty too. And they feel like they couldn't reach you or they didn't check out, check on you enough or that your friends feel that way. And then let's not forget if you do it, your military friends, it's makes it easier for them to do it. So I'm begging you not to do that. So I think that's pretty much all I'm going to say on it. If you're one of those folks out there who is doing a fine, please reach out to people. I always try to end with talking about a small part from the Bible from Ecclesiastes where it says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So communities where it's at. We all serve as the hands of God. So if you're doing well in life, reach out, check on that person who may not be. And again, if you're struggling, I beg of you, call the Veterans Crisis Hotline, 988-SELECT-1. And honestly, if you're not willing to do that, then I kind of beg of you to please ask Jesus to help you, to drive those thoughts out from your head. He will do it. He is watching you. And so I'm not going to push religion. I hope you have your own faith. But I don't want you to give up or make a decision that is very fatal. Uh, Final thing, I try to end the show by saying that you can comment anytime. I try to monitor those. You can also reach out privately at my email, authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. Again, authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. You can say hi. You can vent. You can send news tips. I love all those things. So I love all you guys. God loves you more. And I will catch you next week. You have been listening to The View from the Front. My name is Stan, and I am out.